0: What is Off The Groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off The Groove with Scotty Dubler. Back again for episode 20 of Off The Groove. Special thanks to all you fans for continuing to listen to our podcast. Factory Red Bull KTM is coming into flat track for 2019 and Chris Fillmore, the team manager, is a former KTM Superbike road racer. This, my friends, is big news in flat track. We have Husqvarna, now we have KTM. Will we see the other brands follow suit? I certainly hope so. Throughout my announcing career, I've been lucky enough to work with some great partners, and I just found out earlier this week, I'll have another cool name to add to the list. It's Jackie Van Ham. We've talked about her before. She's very influential in the motorcycle industry. Can't wait to start working with her in Calistoga. Our international flat track friend and journalist, Fernando C.M., interviewed me off the groove style. Check out the interview on International Flat Track Association on Facebook. got to do some practice driving yesterday. Spent about four hours in the car, headed over to Little Rock, Arkansas for Crooked Creek Speedway. Unfortunately, there was just way too much moisture from the night before because they went ahead and pulled the plug, and they're going to race tonight. Saw late last night on social media, Stevie Bonzi with some orange and black leathers. What's up with that? Getting back in the saddle again this weekend, Texas Motor Speedway racing tomorrow night. This is a track where they usually race cars, which means there'll be more rubber in the dirt. Plus, we're running this race in the spring. The cooler temperatures should mean increased speeds on the track, and every racer loves to go fast. Headed into the third event of the season, this one is up for grabs in both classes. Shana Texter won this race last year. Can she go back-to-back? Colby Carlisle won the championship without winning a main event. He finished second here last year. Can he get that monkey off his back and get on top of the box? You can't count out Dan Bromley, our points leader. He showed he has what it takes to be on the podium for the first two rounds, and he finished third here last year. We can't count out round two's winner, Brandon Price. In my opinion, every spot on the podium is up for grabs. In the Twins class, Jared Meese seems unstoppable. Could this Lone Star track be the equalizer? We talked to Kenny Coolbeth last week and he is eager to win races again. Brad Baker missed this race last year. It'll be interesting to see how his Indian stacks up against the rest. Henry Wiles will also be a factor. Currently second in the points. He's been flying under the radar on his FTR 750. Don't forget Jeffrey Carver. He'll be riding the same XR 750 he won his first Twins National on last fall. Carver's carried the momentum from his win here last year over into the 2018 season. When we talked to Jeffrey in the offseason, he credited a lot of his consistency and momentum to his mechanic, Ben Evans. Ben is a pretty busy guy, but he took a break to talk to us about the upcoming six-week stretch and the 2018 season.
1: Hey, Scotty. How's it going, man?
0: Great, man. How are you?
1: Just working here at the workbench. Got got some Indians on here and kind of going at it, you know, getting ready for Texas and the whole west coast swing we got uh what six races in a row coming up and uh riding harley's first and indians after that and just kind of gotta make sure
0: everything's fresh do do you even have a house i mean do you just live in the shop or what
1: it's pretty much pretty much i got a house but i'm i'm rarely in there
0: yeah just just to sleep and shower
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much it's uh late nights and uh pretty much all my time gets spent at, uh, in the race shop. You know, it's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of TV watching or uh, movie watching or anything like that for me.
0: So when you leave the house, I guess I'm, I'm assuming you're still in Ohio. When you leave the house, you're gone for six weeks straight. You don't go back and forth at all.
1: Yeah, we're going to, uh, I'm going to meet Jeffrey in Texas. Uh, I'll drive to the, uh, race hauler and, uh, he's going to hit some local race, I think on the, uh, on the way down, I'm not going to be able to make it to that. And then, uh, yeah, so we're going to ride Harleys in Texas. And then, uh, from there, uh, I've got, uh, got a guy going to bring the Harleys back for us. So we don't have to tow them around that West and uh, we'll be on Indians the rest of the, the rest of the trip through Springfield
0: that's awesome so uh haven't seen you since atlanta i mean it's just a few days ago but uh, were you happy with the third place finish
1: oh yeah yeah it was real good uh to be able to uh say that the last three times we've hopped on that motorcycle it's been on the podium i'd say that's uh that's pretty good you know uh, uh with all the different brands that we're riding this year and to pick the right bike for the right track is pretty important and and a lot of that's on jeffrey you know and Uh, what he feels comfortable on so uh, yeah to say that uh, to come out with a third to be disappointed with that I'd say would be uh, would be wrong you know I mean we're uh, we're out here to have fun and do as best we can and uh, when you can run up front with the the front runners and the top guys uh, week in and week out uh, who's to be upset about that
0: absolutely I, i'd be tickled to death if i could get on the podium at a grand national so let's just jump right in with both feet and let's get to know who ben evans is uh where were you born
1: uh, i was born here in galleon ohio uh it's where i live now still just a small town um about ten thousand people and uh, my dad owned a little motorcycle shop here in town and uh it's kind of been in my blood ever since you know i uh work with dad at the local cycle shop for since I was about 16 and uh the uh the racing thing kind of took over you know I guess I'd say probably 21 22 23 years old when I started getting pretty serious about it and yeah just kind of a motorcycle family like I said my dad owns a shop and my brother raced professionally for quite a few years and I got into it and out of it and back into it you know
0: yeah so so because your whole family's involved were they into flat track before you started you know coming up and and growing up or did you did you kind of steer them towards flat track
1: yeah so when I was a kid my dad uh, like I said he had the shop there and he used to work on uh, a lot of a lot of engines and stuff like that for some local flat trackers like uh, Jared Vandercoy's dad Jerry you know he was uh, yeah, they're local here too and dad used to work with him a lot and a few other local guys. So flat track was it. We was never into motocross or anything like that. Um, grew up at the racetrack, uh, you know, during, during, uh, the summer months as a kid and that's pretty much all I ever knew and wanted to do. Um, I raced amateur stuff up until I was about, uh, 10 or 12. I was on an 80 and involved in a pretty nasty crash at Lima, Ohio. And, uh, dad kind of decided that, uh, maybe I was riding a little bit over my head and maybe we ought to back out of it a little bit. So I, uh, I really didn't race, uh, from the time I was about 12 till I was about 18, uh, did a lot of dirt bike riding and things like that. But, uh, my brother was still racing the whole time. Uh, apparently he didn't ride as much over his head as I did, but, <laughs> 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 um, I, uh, So when I got 18, you know, when I turned 18, I decided that uh, that's what I wanted to do. So I kind of jumped back into it a little bit and did some local races and riding some vintage bikes for some other guys and just having fun with it, you know, and realized pretty quick that those guys were, uh, they were pretty serious. And I, uh, like I said, had a lot of fun with it and told myself, you know, if I could ever win one of these vintage races, an armor race like this, I'd probably get my pro license well next year I won a bunch of vintage races and said, well, I kind of told myself I was going to do this. So here we go, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> onto the professional ranks it went and, um, didn't really get too serious about it. You know, as, as compared to some of the, some of the kids these days, but, uh, we, uh, we thought it was serious back then. And I was hitting four or five, six uh, pro races a year, and mostly just a lot of amateur local stuff. But, uh, um, you know, had a few guys helping out through the years and, and so on, but, uh, uh, for me, it was always about the fun. Uh, for me, it was always about going to the races and getting to spend time with people that have the same, uh, outlooks as you do. Um, and just, just enjoying it, you know, and I was never one to, if I got beat, get all mad and upset and start throwing stuff on, I, I want to go out and have fun. And if, if I can't have fun doing this and i'm in the wrong sport
0: it's definitely a good outlook to have i remember announcing your race i don't remember announcing as a, as a youngster but i remember your number 69 f uh why did you pick number 69 f i know the f was the district letter for ohio
1: yeah uh well a few reasons i guess uh i was number 14 as an amateur on an on an 80 and uh there was this family from Owensboro, Kentucky, that every one of them had number 69 on their number plate. And it seemed like every one of them was always winning. And I just always, always looked up to the Haydens, you know, Nikki and Roger and Tommy and thought those guys was pretty cool. So I always kind of, kind of liked the number from that. And then, uh, we bought an old used 85 one time and had number 69 on and it was over from there.
0: (laughs) It just, that just stuck. It became your identity. I love it. Yeah.
1: That was it. And the F the Ohio digit. So,
0: yeah. Do you have a favorite memory while, while while you're racing yourself?
1: Oh man, I don't know. It's just, uh,
0: it's been a, it's been a pretty good venture. I've,
1: uh, had a lot of good memories. Uh, I don't know anything that really stands out. I guess I won a uh I won a big Canadian national up at Sarnia, Ontario one time on a on a 450 and I did fairly well at a few cushion races in Ohio. Uh won some heat races at Dayton and nothing really stands out as to one particular time that that uh was better than all the rest, you know. Like I said, I try to enjoy myself when I'm at the track and uh just be around uh, people that have the the uh, the same outlooks as i do
0: absolutely so let's talk about the transition from being a rider and and hanging up the steel shoe and then all of a sudden uh you know becoming a mechanic so when do you realize <laughs> that you had the passion to to work on these bikes
1: yeah so i don't know if i've ever really hung up my steel shoe i guess i i uh um i guess i'd say it was uh about four years ago i was uh, I was still racing a little bit, you know, doing some, um, a few nationals a year and was helping out this local kid. Uh, don't know if you heard of him, Jared Vanderkoy. Uh yeah. (laughs) so he ended up, uh, turning out to be a hell of a little rider and, uh, he used, he could use a lot of help at the time. And, and I was, uh, kind of winding down in my career. You know, I was kind of a mid back of the pack expert, never really did anything substantial, but, uh, but I seen Jared coming up through the ranks and, you know, his dad's a great guy and helped out a bunch, but they just, they needed more, more people on their side. And I kind of jumped on board with them as an amateur, Um, you know, a few years before he turned pro and we went to amateur nationals and did everything right, you know, and kind of helped bring the kid up. And, and when he started winning races on, on motors that I was building and bikes, I was preparing, it was just, I got a, I got a pretty good, uh, Uh, feeling out of that rather than uh it's it's different than than going out and winning a race yourself you know or getting the same feeling out of it it's uh hard to explain i guess uh being part of something that's moving forward and uh it was uh it was pretty neat and uh i knew that uh when uh when the end of the, the day was over um my only injury was if i was to fall down in the pits or or scuff a knuckle <laughs> or something like that, you know? So <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, little things pulling me off to the side. You know, it's, when I started racing, it was, I was so excited all the time and never worried about anything. And towards the end of uh, my professional career, I guess you'd say, uh, I got worried about a lot of stuff and I, I, I thought about a lot, of, a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have been thinking about. And, uh, being on the mechanical standpoint, um, it was, uh, it's always uh it's always really rewarding to see somebody out there going well and doing well on something that you prepared for. Them. Yeah. That, uh, so I guess the the transition was was more of uh more just kind of happened and I didn't realize it was happening until it already did, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool transition. It's got to be a good feeling to see your bike you know, going out there and winning races or running up front. It's going to be a really cool feeling. Uh, a lot of our guests here on off the groove have thanked you in, in one way or another. I mean, like, like more than, more than three, I would say. I mean, several of the riders have thanked you. So who all have you wrenched for?
1: Geez, a lot of guys, uh, and, and wrenching for them, you know, is, is I guess a different word. Uh, I help a lot of people out with their motor programs. Um, okay. Uh as far as like, you know, uh Jared Vanderkoy, uh I did a lot of stuff for Kevin Stallings, um done motors for uh Colby Carlisle a little bit there a few years ago, Um, uh, Sammy Halbert, Jeffrey Lowry, who just got his national number this year, helped him out some and just a bunch of guys. I'd hate to leave anybody out, but like this year, uh, I think uh James Monaco's running some stuff that I'm that I did some kawasaki's for Sammy O just a bunch of guys you know on and off through the years and um, i'm one of those guys too that if somebody says hey man uh, what uh, what are you doing here what are you doing there i'm never i've never been one to shy away from telling everybody not everybody but uh telling people what i think uh might make make things better you know
0: that's awesome so that's all underneath the ben evans racing blanket i guess right
1: yeah, I'd say. Uh, like I said, my dad owns a motorcycle shop, Dave's Cycle Shop here in uh, Galleon, Ohio, and it all kind of started with that. And uh, I guess my after hours became more uh, more prominent than my work hours at the shop. You know, dad's open from 10 to 5:30, and and a lot of times uh, I'd leave the shop at 5:30, eat, and by 6:30 I'm in the shop. You know, the race shop, working uh, till three, four in the morning sometimes um, on the race bikes
0: sounds like you have your hands full and and there's not enough hours in the day for you guys.
1: Well, there's never enough hours in a day. You know, it's like, you think you got everything squared away and you think you're, you're doing everything right. And you got everything done on time and it always boils down to the last day. You know, uh, we try to cross our T's and dot our I's and have everything taken care of, but, uh, there's always something, you know, and that's, uh, that's what makes it racing. that's what makes it fun, I guess, is the, uh, um, all the, uh, all the hours that's put into it and all the, uh, the time spent on the road and traveling. And, uh, when you cross the finish line and you, you know, you're running up front, that's what makes it all worth it, I suppose.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about your relationship with Jeffrey Carver jr. Uh, when did you guys start working together?
1: So I guess it's been about four years ago. Um, well, even before that, Jeffrey called me probably five or six years ago and said uh, that he's looking for a twin to ride at a, a local Ohio race. He was coming over to ride, and um, I had a thousand Suzuki at the time that uh, that I wasn't going to be racing. So he came over to ride that, and uh, just kind of met through through that, you know, social media and stuff. And um, I knew who he was from from watching a lot of the single stuff, and he was definitely running up front. So I was, uh, I was definitely okay with him hopping on my bike. But the only thing was, is after the race was over, people come over to me and it's like, man, that's the fastest that bike's ever went. And it's like, wait a minute. hey. <laughs> <Take>
0: <laughs> so,
1: that uh, so I guess, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't too bad, but for, for probably a year or so, um, we'd, we'd talk and stuff if we seen each other at the racetrack and just kind of struck up a friendship, you know, and then, uh, uh, I guess it was probably a year or two after the first time he rode the bike, he, uh, I seen he was doing well and he had some pretty good rides and, um, nothing really would stick. You know, he had a a couple pretty, pretty prominent, you know, uh, rides like with Johnny goad and he had the Don's Kawasaki deal. And, uh, I know he rode for Kiso's before that. And, um, and I always thought that those was, was pretty top notch rides, you know, and, nothing ever seemed to, uh, to stick for him year to year, but, uh, kind of found out that he's a little bit of a, a different individual when it comes to rider set up and you got old school guys like Johnny Goad, who, uh, who have their own set way, you know, and then you got these kids coming up that, that have all this new technology and all the, all the new suspensions and stuff like that. And the two, uh, the two just kind of clash a little bit, nothing against one or the other. It's just two different types of, uh you know, a rider and a mechanic. So, you know, I kind of, uh, approached Jeffrey and, uh, I was working with Vanderkoy and had a little bit of free time as well. And, I uh, kind of approached Jeffrey and told him that I'd like to help out his program a little bit if I could. And he brought me some Kawasaki engines. And, uh, so the first year I just did some engines for him kind of on a, on a pretty tight budget, you know, and, uh, went to a few races and helped both of them, and that wasn't really working very well because, uh, you know, for for one guy to, uh, for one guy to get um, all the attention, you know, I mean, there really needs to be more than more than one mechanic at the racetrack for two riders. So uh, that was really wasn't fair to either one of them. And the next year, I uh, I signed on with with uh, Richie Morris to help Vandercoy well that lasted about three races and when that was over i called jeffrey and i said hey what are you doing for this west coast swing he's like i don't know man i don't even know if i can really afford to go or if i'm going to be able to do them all and that's when i just kind of said hey let's uh let's do this but let's do it right let's go to all of them and you know prepare these things and um so uh so we did we we went to uh went to a few a uh, few races out west together and everything was clicking good he was starting to do well and uh we kind of built off of that and uh just kind of uh, kept going kept rolling and before we knew it we was uh we was getting top fives and fighting for some podiums and uh fast forward you know i mean get a get a podium at lima and, and a win at texas at the end of the year um was beyond my ex- expectations by far, you know, I mean, I was just still looking at this as let's go out and have fun and try to try to do as best we can. And here we I got a top five rider, you know, and it's like, wow. Uh, and the one thing that I think that works so much better with Jeffrey and I is, um, is I'm not the kind of guy that says, Hey, uh, you need to stiffen up your suspension. You know, that thing's wobbling here or there, you need to raise the front end or you need to lower this or you need to do that. You know, Jeffrey's a, um, you know, he's 27 years old, but he's he's also a bit of a veteran in the sport, you know. Um, he knows what he wants. He's been on enough good rides, and he's been on enough good bikes to be able to say, okay, this is the suspension that that uh, that I'm looking for. This is what we've got. Um, what do you think? And then I'll tell him, well, it looks like, you know, the thing's sitting a little low in the front or whatever when you're going into the corner or He'll say, "Okay, yeah, but almost feel like it's squatted too much in the rear." And you know, we'll just kind of come up with a a happy medium. And uh, I'll tell him what I think. He'll tell me what he thinks. And ultimately, we we go with what uh, what he wants. And uh, and I'm not butthurt if he he doesn't want to do what I want to do. That's it's fine. You know, I'm not the one sitting on the seat and uh, commanding the thing to do what it wants. So the main thing, like I say, is. Uh... He gets the bike that he wants um, on any given time he's on the racetrack. We're not, uh, we're not out there to, to try different things and to reinvent the wheel, you know. I mean, he's comfortable with one thing, and he just wants a little bit of something else, and that's what we do.
0: Do you think that being an, a former rider, or I guess you still ride a little bit, do you think that definitely helps him? with the trust issue like you know what you're talking about and then you guys can both you know like you said obviously you, you want to make him happy but as a former rider yourself does that help make the uh make the transition easier when you start changing things
1: probably a little bit like uh, you know i got a few instances that, that i recall from from my own racing experiences where like i was at say mid-america And I just had the front end just absolutely tucking. And I'm holding the thing up with my, with my steel shoe, basically, you know, the front's just completely pushing away from me. And and I made an adjustment that day that, that worked completely different for me. And so a lot of times, you know, we'll have that situation or, or say like when I rode a bike of Skip Beacons one time at Pomona and, uh, and it was doing one thing and we did something else and and it completely corrected the issue. So a lot of times I'll go back to Jeffrey and say, okay, you know, like, well, what about this? Because I did this one time and it did this. He's like, no, you're right. You're exactly right. I was kind of thinking this, but he's like, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. So let's, let's try this instead. And uh, we'll just, like I said, come up with a happy medium. And, uh, but yeah, he, he understands that, that I'm not just some, some guy that's watching from the fence with an idea. Um, a lot of my ideas are from seat of the pants things, you know, where it worked for, for me or didn't work for me or whatever. Uh, and another thing too, is when we go testing, uh, sometimes I'll get on the bike and, and, um, go out and do a session and kind of get an understanding as to what he was feeling.
0: That's pretty cool right there. I, I love that, that you can still do that. So uh, that definitely helps, you know, cause then you can feel exactly what he's feeling. So that's a, that's a good move on both your part, I believe. So, 2017 like you said had some highs and lows obviously finishing up with the texas win and then uh you know solid finish there at paris and some momentum to the off season uh picking up the indians to ride for this year gives you a a great big stable of motorcycles to ride who makes the decision on which bike you're going to ride sounds like you already have the plan for this west coast swing is that all on jeffrey or do you have some input on that
1: that's kind of both of us uh we just we looked at the schedule we wrote everything down and looked at the schedule and talked about it this winter and uh just kind of said okay daytona what do we want to ride there uh do we want to ride kawasaki's on the tt or do we want to go with the indians that that uh that we just got you know and uh we opted to to ride the indians that was kind of up in the air we we we'd kind of planned on riding the kawasaki's at all the tts and we got all this new fancy front brake stuff for these Indians and everything was looking good. And we went down to Ocala and did some testing and he was feeling really good with them. And, um, but yeah, like I said, it's just, uh, that's kind of both of us. Uh, if he feels like he wants to ride an Indian, then we're going to ride an Indian. If he wants to ride a Cowie, we're going to ride a Kawasaki and the Harley thing. Um, you know, there's a few tracks on the schedule to where we, we planned from the get-go that, Hey, we're going to run a Harley at Atlanta. Or we want to ride a Harley at Texas, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's everybody on the team. Like, uh, we've got a dealership out of, uh, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's called Metro Milwaukee Indian, um, great supporter. And, uh, you know, they're an Indian dealer. I don't a Harley or a Kawasaki dealer. Um, so, they obviously want to see us riding the Indian, but with that being said, Rob wants us to win races, the guy that owns the shop. And he feels like uh, uh, he's okay with us making the decision on which bike we want to sit on that particular day. Um, you know, he's not a uh, 100% uh, has to be Indian, has to be Indian, has to be Indian. He just wants our team to move forward and uh, do whatever we feel is, is best for that event.
0: That's good stuff right there. So, you just mentioned you had Kawasakis, you've got Indians, then you got the XR750 Harley Davidson. How hard is it to maintain all these bikes and have them all ready to go all the time?
1: It uh it certainly keeps me on my toes. Uh you got to uh you got to pick and choose what you're going to work on. Right now, I've got the uh I've got the Indians in the shop, you know, and and if I've got the Harley sitting up here on the lifts, then then I'm going to be working on them and I've got to keep them out of sight, you know, when I, when I got to work on other stuff, because, uh, you know, I walked by one project and, Oh yeah, I was working on this. And next thing I know, it's like, wait a minute, I need to be working on this. So yeah, it gets trying at times, but, uh, just try to keep everything separated and, um, and have everything, you know, uh, done when, when we need it. Like Daytona, when we was riding the Indians, all the Kawasaki's was apart. Atlanta. When we was riding the Harleys, all the Indians was a part. You know, now it's now it's pretty difficult because I got to have everything done for this next uh, this next swing that we're going on. Um, and it won't be too long after uh, after we get back from the West Swing that he needs the Kawasaki's for uh, the Steve Nace race at Peoria, just to get a better idea of what we're going to run into TTS. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a full time job plus plus ten. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you need a, a couple more, Ben Evans, to to help you out in the garage. You need to clone yourself or something. So uh, how much testing do you get in? You mentioned you, right, you went down to Ocala a little bit. Right now we're getting, we're kind of in a little bit of a downtime, but then we're, like you said, six weeks straight. Will there be any testing going on during that, or is it just Grand National, Grand National, Grand National?
1: Well, right now um, the only real testing I think that's going to get Get going on um, between now and then is going to be that outlaw race. That's down, he's going to race before the National in uh, Texas. I'm not sure where it's at exactly, but
0: uh, Little Rock, then, Arkansas.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yep. Um, and then possibly a uh an open test uh in texas somewhere after the nationals. so everything's kind of up in the air right now um but uh yeah it, it, when it gets race season you know i mean he, he likes to bring his 450 with him when he can and and get on that thing and and ride as much as he can but really when the races get going and we're out west it's like we just got to hit the nationals you
0: know absolutely stay stay focused on the uh the goal and that's of course one of the number one plates so let's talk about your expectations coming into 2018 do you set your goals to jeffrey carver or does the team you know the people that sponsor you who, who sets the goals for the team for the year
1: i don't know i think our goal every weekend is to go out and do as best we can um and uh and enjoy our time while we're doing it uh yeah jeffrey's got a uh a little slogan that uh, he puts on his gas tank and uh, it says, you got to want it, you know, and, uh, and you do, you, you really got to want to, uh, you got to want to do well. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going, you know, so he, uh, he's a different individual, like I said before. And, uh, uh, it's, uh, unlike anybody I've worked for in the past, but with that being said, it's also, uh, a lot of fun being around him and, uh, seeing some of the things that, uh, that he can do on a motorcycle. And, uh, and, and also he's, he's real good here working in the shop too. You know, I mean, he comes over and he spends a lot of time here and put a little, uh, doing a lot of little things, you know, where he's, where he wants his brake pedals and his flip pegs and, you know, he puts motors in and takes motors out for me. And, you know, I mean, it's really, it's him and I doing a lot of the stuff
0: good stuff i I like that that both of you can work on the bikes together it sounds like you have a good relationship so let's talk about daytona a little bit uh 15th place finish tell us about the day the track was bigger better faster uh a a lot of speed going into the jump why a 15th place finish and tell us about how the day unfolded for you
1: yeah daytona was uh it was a difficult one we uh we kind of struggled from the get-go um You know, we we thought we was a little closer to the game as far as you know from what we had we had done testing. We also went to a place in Travelers Rest, South Carolina, to get some more TT time in on the Indians there. But anyhow, going into Daytona, we we thought we was a little further ahead of the game and just kind of missed some setup stuff and we had a few issues like the tire rubbing the radiator and didn't really want to drop the front end anymore and just kind of questionable things and uh we learned from there and uh um he uh he you know he wasn't doing terrible i think he was qualified about top 15 pretty much every time on the racetrack um but you know everybody knows he's a top five contender anywhere we go usually so uh so it was a little little difficult but uh um he ended up doing well in his heat race and uh uh, got a transfer right through the semi and then, um, uh, kind of a bad start in the main event and got kind of caught up with a few other riders and was running around about 13th, 14th, I think like something like that in the first few laps and ended up, uh, getting in, into it with a couple guys up in one and two and fell down and just kind of putting back a little ways and, uh, we made it through the day, you know, and. And that was about it, you know, salvaged a few points and, um, it was, uh, it was good to get on to Atlanta.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about Atlanta. It's a, it was a tough weekend for us with the, the changing weather conditions, the changing tracks. So how, how did the day unfold for you on Saturday as to compare to how it unfolded for you on Sunday?
1: Yeah. So Saturday, uh, we felt like everything was good. It was really cold. It was really cold out. And, um, first of all, we went to start the bikes and, um, these Harleys don't like to start in the cold and I'm whirling two XRs over. Neither one of them want to start. And we ended up putting the heaters on them and put them under a, under a blanket and put some, uh, some tire warmers around the motors and ended up getting the things fired up. And that was a bit of a relief. And so, uh, he went out on the track first practice and felt really good right away. I think he was like sixth or seventh. And I mean, only, uh, just a nick off of off a quick time, you know. So we knew it was going to be good, and uh, he feels really comfortable on that old XR, and that was the type of racetrack for it. It took off raining, and then the next day the track was completely different. Um, but we felt like different in 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 our favor um, because it got a little bit greasier, and uh, the XR hooks up good on the slippery stuff versus the the Indians and the Kawasaki's with a more prominent power delivery so yeah it went well and uh, qualified well and uh, got a good heat and good semi and got off to a good start in the main event and just kept rolling forward and winding down to the to end of the main event and uh, you come up to him and uh, jared vanderkoy and like i was telling you earlier jared and i had been real good friends for a long time and you know he ended up getting by jared for a uh for a podium spot and that was cool you know we're on we're on uh, the Carver team, obviously, but it was uh, it was a bummer to see Vanderkoy lose his podium spot as well. You know, yeah. So Atlanta was uh, Atlanta was good. Just moving on to Texas.
0: Did, did you guys talk before the race? Be, I'm I'm talking about before the main event about where he was going to run because it seemed like he was running a high line, especially in one and two, that nobody else was running. So did you gear the bike for that, or did you discuss that at all before he went out there for that main?
1: He's always thinking two or three steps ahead of everybody else. It seems like, and and yeah, we did discuss uh, where he wanted to ride on the racetrack, and he wanted to keep the Harley off the rubber, and uh, just kept searching for moisture and kept searching for moisture, and hell, by the end of the by the end of the race, he had his right foot peg ground off from rubbing the dang thing up against the wall, and uh, yeah, yeah there, he was running out of racetrack there, so it's a good thing it was only twenty five laps.
0: <laughs> yeah. He he was definitely making the high line work, you know, just off the groove was perfect for Carver. I loved it. So, uh, um, let's talk about Texas. You know, that's the next race. You, you, you've you already mentioned you're running the XR seven fifty again. I mean, anything less than a win, are you going to be, you know, are you going to be upset about that? Or, or, I mean, Mies has been on a roll right now. What's it going to take to beat him?
1: Not at all. I mean, we want to win. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're shooting for, but, uh, Every every other one of these guys is on the top of their game too. Yeah, I mean we're coming into Texas with uh, with high expectations, but you got to realize that uh, there's a lot of other guys that are that are coming in there with the same expectations. Um, we just happened to get we'd get a win there last year. No, I'm not going to be upset if we get second, if that's what you're asking.
0: <laughs> I, was just, I was just checking, you know, I think, I think going into a race where you won there the last time, I think it's got to be real good uh, for Jeffrey's confidence for sure. Obviously, you know, the bike's going to be strong as, as you've proven that over and over. But uh, I was just wondering, so uh, are there any other tracks or races that you in particular are looking forward to the most this year?
1: I really, uh, really like Black Hills last year, the half mile there out there at uh, Rapid City. That was a really fast racetrack, and Jeffrey did really well there. I'm excited to, to watch him go there this year. Um, Springfield, I felt like we was we was right there. You know, we stuck to the lead draft about 20 laps, and then they had that, that restart there at the end. And uh, we jumped back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Springfield, uh, geez, I'm looking forward to all of them, Scotty. Uh, uh, the TTs don't do much for me. I'm not a big TT fan, but then again, Jeffrey is, you know, he likes the TTs. His first national win was on a TT, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you got to treat everyone as, as it's the same. Um, you want to go prepared to uh, to do the best you can.
0: I love it. Good, good stuff right there. So it's time for Graham's question. Graham is, is my grandma, Kathy Dubler. And she said, uh, she wants to know, she said, uh, you've been in flat track racing for a really long time. What's the biggest change that you've seen so far?
1: The biggest change I've seen in dirt track. Um, I don't know. I would have to say it's got to be this Indian era. Um, things have really, really changed the last few years. The face of dirt tracks completely different. At Atlanta last uh, last weekend, uh, I was sitting there holding Jeffrey's bike at uh, in staging, and he came over and got on it. And I I walked away and turned around and and looked back at at the staging area, and all I could see was Indians. Uh, you know, the whole front row was Indians. There was two Indians on the second row, and we was the only lone Harley there in the front row. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's 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 pretty wild watching watching just a few years ago, you know, a lot of, a lot of XRs and a lot of Kawasaki's. And then, you know, last year there was very few XRs, mostly Kawasaki's, a few Yamaha's, you know, um, last weekend at Atlanta, there was one Kawasaki in the main event. I think there was something like 10 Indians. The, the Indian era, we'll call it, um, is a, it's a pretty big change, I'd say. And, uh, the TV package. You know, the TV package is doing, uh, doing dirt track a lot of good. I think it's on a pretty, pretty big upward swing right now. You know, I get a lot of people that come into my dad's shop that aren't really dirt track fans, just motorcycle enthusiasts. And they're seeing it on TV and man, I seen you on TV or, you know, I heard your name on TV or whatever. Uh, so that's pretty neat, you know, and we didn't get that for a long time and hopefully it just keeps on growing and, and, uh, and getting bigger and bigger. And instead of, uh, seeing kids in the mall wearing a ryan Villopoto shirt maybe they'll, they'll see him wearing a uh, jeffrey carver shirt or something you know
0: oh yeah that'd be awesome I, I i look forward to that day for sure so it's time to wrap up the interview and we do that with the rapid fire questions for ben evans so i want to know the first thing that comes to your mind when i ask these next few questions so my first one is do you have a favorite racetrack whether that be as a rider, a mechanic or a spectator uh frederick maryland wow I, that's the first one we've heard. That why? Why is that?
1: Uh, it's just a uh, it's an old limestone tight half mile. Um, they've been running there. I think it's the longest running race of uh, in the United States. But I've been there and raced the last probably fifteen years in a row. I just enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I like I, the track. I like the uh, everything about it.
0: I've been lucky enough to announce it about the last five years in a row. When Steve Nace asked me to come back again this year, so it's the Barbara Fritchie Classic and fourth of july every year i think it's like 97 years in a row or something like that it's something ridiculous so that's a good answer i love it second one was, what's your favorite moment of 2018 so far i know we're early we're only two races in but even it could be something leading up to the races uh do you have a favorite moment so far from this year
1: uh geez i guess it'd have to be uh being on the podium in atlanta
0: love it what's your uh, favorite place to eat when you're out there on the road?
1: <laughs> completely different than Carvers I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh what do you... <laughs> Yeah, I'll eat uh I'll eat anything greasy and cheesy. Yeah. Carvers eating
0: plants or what?
1: Oh man. Yeah, that's a fact. He's definitely into the uh into the healthy eating and uh and I get that that's that's part of their uh part of a professional athlete's deal, you know, is uh Staying in shape and eating the best he can eat and for me i just i can't do it
0: <laughs> I, i'm with Dude. you i need give me some greasy food i need some traction on that back tire that's what i'm that's what i'm into yep. too so are there any up-and-coming racers that you have an eye on that we should be looking out for
1: um yeah so uh so texas uh a buddy of mine from ohio just got his uh, just got his pro license and uh, will be his uh, his first race uh, drew hart uh, from uh, here in Ohio, Uh um, right. should be inter- Should be interesting. The kid's got a lot of talent and got a great family behind him. And they got, uh, some really good engine packages. I think we, Kyle did some stuff for him this year and looking forward to seeing how drew does in the future.
0: Yeah. He just started growing too. He was this little itty bitty guy on these, on these four fifties, man. He was fast as an amateur. He's number 66 F. Uh, we'll have to keep, yep. figure out what his new number is and keep an eye on him. So uh, I like that answer too. Um, I think that's pretty much all I got for the rapid fire questions. You want to say thanks to anybody while we got you on here,
1: man. Uh, I would, uh, I would love to say thanks to, uh, to roof systems, uh, Gary Stinchfield in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth area and, uh, Metro Milwaukee, Indian out of, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Rob shop, uh, and, uh, two boss racing. Uh, these two, uh, these two guys have really stepped up the program and, and, and helped us, uh, make this what it what it is today and uh we're uh you know we're looking for uh we're looking for jeffrey carver to be on the top of the box and uh not just uh not just texas you know i mean we're here for the long run and without those guys it wouldn't all be possible
0: i love it ben uh that workbench is calling your name right now i can hear it right now from where i'm at so you better get your ass back to work and uh we'll see you down (laughs) in texas
1: all right scotty thanks a lot buddy
0: Thanks so much for your time. That's Ben Evans, the mechanic for Jeffrey Carver Jr.